the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? We could talk about it. Hopefully. Um, don't be shy. I think that's the you know most important thing about a show like this is it's really set up for you to win. It's really set up for you to, you know, engage with. Um, I won't bite. And if I do, I promise it'll be in a friendly kind of way. If I ever say anything mean or nasty, it's stop and take a step back and think about it and say, why did he say that? And typically it's to try to help you. Um, I don't want people making financial mistakes. I don't want people hating the system. I want people loving the system. Um, That's my angle on the show. That's my shtick if we were to use that word as correctly as it could possibly be used, um, <clears throat> getting you to retirement. So, with that in mind, with that said, you know, financial stories abound, and it's always great to um, chit-chat about these. Try to, you know, put some perspective into the stories on Wall Street. Um, something silly as Netflix, you know. How easy is it to talk about Netflix? You know about it. I know about it. Uh, every now and then I hear, hey, this is a great show. Go watch it. Maybe Orange is the New Black, for instance. And I start watching it. And I'm like, well, this is an unhappy experience. It's it's loading too slowly. And I get mad at my cable company and cable company Comcast and Netflix. And you kind of get the idea of where this is going. Netflix in the news today. They're adding another TV show to its growing list of programming. They've reached a global licensing deal with Time Warner Brothers for the exclusive rights to the new TV drama Gotham. The show will premiere on Fox in a couple of weeks and will be available on Netflix in 2015. This comes after Netflix won the streaming rights to NBC's dramas The Blacklist just last month. Um, Shows that people want. You know, I've heard good things about The Blacklist. Haven't got time to figure it out if they're right or wrong, but I've heard 
So Netflix at an all-time high. It's kind of fun, right? I saw the S&P 500 playing with an all-time high earlier today. That's kind of fun, right? It's like, woohoo, let's open up the 401k statements. Um, the funny part about it is, is when things are down and you're like, I'm not opening up my statement. When the market's down, 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 you're like, I'm, I, I'm not going to look. If I don't look, then it's not true. So the passage of Labor Day has come and gone, and we're not exactly going to get a stampede of returning vacationers. Volume was light yesterday. Ukraine president, office, you know, Russia, Ukraine, ceasefire, no ceasefire. Permanent ceasefire agreement has it been reached or not? Will this cause the markets to go up or not? Um, the Kremlin yesterday announced that no such agreement had been reached because it's not a party to the conflict in the eastern Ukraine. Russia's acting as if they're not doing anything, and everyone else in the world kind of sees that they're doing stuff. So it's kind of funny. It's it's an announcement, you know, that will curb some enthusiasm. Uh, Russia acknowledged the positive nature of a ceasefire in the region, though, so they're kind of like saying, yes, 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 it's very good. And you're like, wait, that's you. Um, anyway, I guess we're taking a positive stance on it. That's what I'll try to take out of this. With that said, you saw the markets move higher today. Uh, S&P 500 up 4 at 2007. Woohoo! Dow's up 73 at 17,140. NASDAQ up fractions. And again, you know, in the first hour, two hours, it really doesn't matter. Um, Apple got hit by a six-hour iTunes store outage in the midst of their iCloud crisis. The iTunes store and App Store, both down for about six hours last night. A blow for Apple that follows widespread coverage of a celebrity photo leak, which is believed to have originated by hackers attacking their iCloud accounts. Um, Apple very much so trying to get out in front of it saying, look, this was passwords that were stolen. This is not, you know, someone coming through our, our front door. This was, you know, people stealing passwords. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's bad news for Apple regardless, in my opinion. Because it makes me think twice about pictures. So, I read a great article yesterday about, uh, you know, let's stop making this like a negative thing. And let's just start embracing like it's just pictures. And uh, I don't know. I think we have a, a f- uh, an odd relationship with um, gossip. Apple... Insider reported the outage spread to its desktop Mac app store, the iTunes music store, and the iBook store. Apple has been known to show that its online services are back to normal following the celebrity nude photos that leaked online before Labor Day. Which I think kind of seems already, I'm not going to say it's past, but it doesn't seem to be huge. Oh, here's a nice story of the day. CVS changes their name. They've stopped tobacco sales early. So CVS is sharpening its focus on its customer health. Um, nation's second largest drugstore, obviously a beneficiary of the Affordable Care Act. More people on health care, more people filling prescriptions, uh, more people going to CVS. And CVS Caremark is now going to be known as CVS Health. Um, 7,700 drugstores won't, the signs on their drugstores won't change. 
So the tweak may not register with shoppers immediately. Um, but when you check out, you'll notice some differences. Gone are the cigars and cigarettes that used to fill the shelves behind the store registers. Um, they've been replaced with nicotine gum and signs urging visitors to kick the tobacco habit. Um, Storing, you know, the stock tobacco, you know, what will they put there now? Probably some coupons, um, some booklets, uh, some more goods. CVS actually catching a little bit of heat. They're doing a great buyback. Um, they're doing a really nice job of trying to set up clinics inside their stores. Um, as we age as a society, you know, we're consuming more health care. What's interesting to note about it is they're going to lose about $2 billion in revenue. And Walgreens is like, well, it's not our job to tell people not to smoke. So their competitor instantly like saying, come over to us. You want cigarettes? We got them. <clears throat> Long term, is this a conflict? You know, they sell alcohol, too. They sell potato chips. And in moderation, alcohol and potato chips are okay. In moderation, cigarettes are not. So CVS, I think... It's kind of interesting. I think, we're, you know, in 100 years now, we're going to look back and say, cigarettes, did people really do that? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers for you today, but I'm trying. Um, other big stories of note today. I think that's probably the biggest, the CVS name change. I know you're saying, ooh, it's a slow day. Um, auto sales lose some steam in the month of August. Daimler Chrysler is making a bet on ride sharing. So Germany puts a ban on Uber and Daimler buys Uber rival Ride Scout. Take a break here. You can find me online at robblack.com. Robblack.com. Got a big event coming up in San Jose. Not this Thursday, but the following Thursday about living in the Bay Area and wealth in the Bay Area. Sign up at robblack.com. Tiny bubbles hang above me It's a sign that someone loves me I can hardly stand upright Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Not sure you're with me or against me on this one, but Apple's in a bit of disarray. I own shares of Apple. I should disclose that. Um, on the eve of the big product announcements that are going to come out of Apple next week, um, they're getting hit. And Apple's always been a company that's like looks at Microsoft and goes, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, we don't get viruses like you do. Nanny, 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 we don't have blue screen of death. Nanny, 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 we don't have security issues. And then bam, suddenly they have security issues. Their name has been sullied. Uh, the trawlers, the trolls, whatever you want to refer to them as, 
who have got into iCloud and forced uh, guest hacked passwords to crawl for celebrity nude photos. It's, you know, it hurts them. There's no doubt about it. It's tied to their name. I mean, everyone's hearing that you can see Jennifer Lo- Lawrence, J-Law, nude as she took pictures for some guy, who knows, or pictures with some guy. Um, it's interesting to note, like, again, you hear the story, it's like Apple's accounts have been hacked. It's it's all about Apple. This is like Samsung dancing right now. Ding, 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 ding. Um, their iStore, their iTunes, their iBookstore offline last night. Those products work with iCloud, so it's not clear whether the outage was linked to some sort of fix in iCloud security or not. At a time when Tim Cook should be, you know, tweaking his script for. And now we've got this brand new product that we've never had before, the iWatch. Um, savoring that moment, you can't do it. Tim Cook has to like get the fire engines out and put off fires. There's some sort of Find My iPhone app trying to uh, fix brute force attacks that let hackers guess your iCloud password. Apple has barred developers using its healthcare app and health kit platform from storing data in the iCloud. So can Cook fix this? Of course he can. <clears throat> Two-step verification, verification for password usage will most likely be introduced to all Apple products. Touch ID fingerprint technology will likely go a long way to reassuring users that only they have access to their stuff in the cloud. It's going to take time. He's got to walk on stage on Tuesday and either not make any mention of the iCloud, which would be itself news, or mention iCloud in a way that reassures customers that you know this is not a disaster area. He, as a CEO, kind of radiates calm and reassurance. He's not a polarizing jerk. Um, Steve Jobs had a famous temper. Um, he might make things worse before he made things better. Apple will figure this out. In the short term, this is as bad as it could possibly be. It's a high-wire act that you have to pull off very, very carefully. At a time when Apple's going to be introducing a payment system next Tuesday, they get hacked. How comfortable are you putting your credit card into your phone at this point in time and using it to pay bills? You're going to be like, well, if there's nude photos of J-Law, then people are going to figure out my passwords, right? Like, they figured out passwords, or do they steal passwords? So, a lot to figure out on this one. A lot to figure out on this one. Um, and it is a pretty big story. So, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Could use some phone calls. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. Um, the auto sales numbers, they're kind of commanding some attention today. Um, still a big part of our economy. Still a big part of our consumer. Automobile sales began to lose some momentum in August. GM and Ford reported tepid results. Chrysler and Nissan recorded double-digit increases. GM sales slipped 1.2%. Um, it had one less selling day last month than the previous year. The month marked GM's first sales decline since February. Ford, meanwhile, recorded a four-tenths of a percent rise in sales. 
and Chrysler sales jumped 20%. Can't figure that one out. Despite a spate of recalls, the auto industry sales have continued to march upward. Bright spot for the U.S. economy in the last three or four years. And I'll predict that trend to continue in August for the rest of the year, and amid steady of lukewarm economic growth. Edmunds, which is a website tied towards autos, recently projected that August sales could hit the highest sales volume for the month since 2003, when the industry delivered more than 1.6 million new cars. Um, the rise in Nissan sales were driven by 18% increase in car sales for its namesake division, with Sentra models continuing to perform strongly. Rising 36%, truck sales up 9%. That's interesting. Chrysler, uh, I'd mentioned that they had that big double-digit growth. Truck sales accounted for about 78% of total sales. So uh, that's nice to see. Hey, another day, another data breach. Home Depot said late yesterday that it's working with banks and law enforcement agencies to investigate a potential breach of customer credit or debit card data. Um, will that stop you from shopping? No. But more and more, I just use credit cards and skip on all debit cards for the securities and the protections. Potential breach on Home Depot's latest in a string of high-profile attacks that have hit restaurants, uh, Target, Neiman Marcus, P.F. Chang's. You know, Home Depot is not small. They're the fourth largest retailer by revenue after Walmart, Costco, and Kroger. So... That's a big ouch. Um, but something tells me that, eh, I don't know. I'll mind myself on this one. Hey, Samsung says, hey, Apple, you've got a big event coming out on the 9th. Well, we're going to come out with our big event on the 3rd. So today, Samsung launched new devices tied towards its smartphone tablet hybrid, the Galaxy Note 4. The headset, which is like a weird virtual reality thing called the Samsung Gear VR Innovator Edition. It's a nylon head strap that allows users to mount the new Galaxy Note in front of their eyes, allowing consumers to use the device for gaming and watching movies. That's all well and good until we learn that putting a, a big tablet in front of your face causes cancer. Then we're going to be like, mm, not a good idea. Uh, with the new products, which go on sale through major U.S. carriers this fall, the message is clear. The world's biggest smartphone maker is thinking beyond the smartphone and trying to figure out what they're going to do to, you know, compete with Apple, but they need to get pricing. They're weak on pricing. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Pick up the phone, give me a call, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. We can talk about anything that you want to talk about. Got a big event coming up in San Jose, Bay Area Wealth Strategies. It's brand new, never been done before. Buying real estate, stock options, 401k wealth, high income, taxes. You know this is a tough place to live because it's pricey. Learn more at the event coming up on the 9th, uh, not on the 9th, but on the 11th, a couple Thursdays from now at robblack.com.
saving money every month is part of the game of getting to retirement. I feel like it's a game at times. I feel like we make decisions that hurt us. Um, you know, anytime I'm feeling a little bit of a pinch, like I'm not saving enough, I'm like, I just eat more meals at home. I start becoming a lot more energy efficient. Um, I don't leave lights on in empty rooms. I unplug everything that can be unplugged in. Um, in large part, my microwave is plugged in 24-7, 365, and yet I use my microwave maybe once a week. Why am I letting it drain energy? I don't know. Um, I never, ever have late fees. There's just no way I'm going to... I could have, you know, Bill Gates money, and I'm still not going to pay a late fee. It's just I refuse. Um, Whole Foods is really expensive for a lot of food. Uh, For, you know, some things that you want really fresh, whether it be meat or fruits and vegetables, uh, try to target it. Try to, you know... Don't go into Whole Foods and buy paper towels. If you're doing that, you're just kind of crazy. There's something wrong with you. Uh, most generic products are just as good as name brands. You're just buying, you know, better packaging with the name brands. So, just throwing it out there. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Another thing that I do when I feel that little pinch out there is I try to buy, you know, I just remind myself, don't buy junk. So, you know, chips I don't need, and they just hurt me. So cigarettes, beer, alcohol just hurt you. Um, If the food that you're putting in your body isn't healthy, don't eat it. That's how you can get wealthy. It's become a little bit more efficient. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. The SP500 is up 3. The Dow is up 56. The NASDAQ down 4. Joining me now? CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. You can also find him here on this radio station, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton, 1 to 2, Monday through Fridays here on KDOW 1220. So let's talk annuities. With bond rates still very low, annuity sales are rapidly increasing and being sold as bond alternatives. Good idea, bad idea, who should consider this? Well, if you're you know, approaching retirement, let's say you're 55 to in retirement up to about age 75, and... I'm not talking about tax-free bonds in your taxable accounts, but bond allocations for your retirement accounts. There are some decent bond alternatives um, that are out there. The problem is is that all the areas that I see where annuity sales are rapidly increasing are all these commission-based brokers sold where people get their money tied up for like 7 to 10 years. And the only time that these are really good alternatives, Rob, is when their guaranteed lifetime income is better than potential bond income and the return that you can get is better potential than current bond environment. Okay. So So what would that number be like? 3% guaranteed? 4 to 5%. Okay. So 4 to 5%. So once the 10-year treasury hits about 45 to 5%, you might change your mind and want out of these products. Okay. And you have to have the flexibility to do that. And most products don't allow that. Okay. So explain a guaranteed life withdrawal benefit. Yeah, How does G- that work? GLWB is what they it's almost every company uses that on their brochures is GLWB, right? That's Guaranteed cool. lifetime withdrawal benefit. I want to cry. That's intimidating. So, it, it's essentially it's longevity insurance. When people want to pull 4 or 5% of their portfolio, you know, those numbers were created in the 90s when rates on bonds were much higher and people didn't live as long. 
Right. So what if you do live till you're 100, 120, like some people actually have? What happens is if you have a, a portfolio, whether it's in an index type of a product or a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds, sure. what they say is, let's say you run out of money, the portfolio is drawn down to zero at age 80, and you still have 25 years to live. The insurance company then kicks in and starts paying you for the rest of your life as long as you live, even though your portfolio is at zero. There are some people thinking that we are going to be modifying modifying genetics in the next 10 years, and we may live a lot longer. Right. What do you think is going to happen in the insurance industry if things like that play out? What's interesting is your rates would actually go down. The longer that people live, the more period of time that they're paying premiums in. Yeah. Um, and they, they just build up a portfolio of conservative bonds to support all of their policies. So when people live longer... <laughs> they pay premiums for a higher, a longer period of time, and your rates could actually go down. So, how are the returns calculated in these income annuities? Like, how how are they knowing they can't afford to be wrong? Yeah. Well, and essentially, what they're insuring too is is a very low risk, right? Because there hasn't been a ten year period in our history, even from ninety seven or ninety eight to two thousand eight or 99 to 2009, where a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds has lost money. So the risk is actually quite low. But what these things do is say, okay, since my income for life is higher than bonds, it'll allow me to take my bond money and take a little bit more aggressive approach with it. So the returns are either in the index to form where they say, okay, you can get a certain amount of the upside of the S&P 500. So if the S&P 500 does like 20%, you might get 5 So you get a cap of the okay. movement of the S&P 500, no dividends, and just that's a, a bad cap. thing, right? No, it's better than bonds right now. Okay. Because bonds pay three. All you need is a couple of years of good market average market returns. Right. To beat three to five years worth of a bond fund or a CD rate. But what if the market goes up thirty percent and you're capped at six percent? Well, you're not comparing it to a stock portfolio. You're comparing uh, it to bonds. Okay. So but it's never where... going to beat the stock market in the long run. It's a bond alternative. Okay, but you see where my mind goes. Yeah, because because you're thinking of in terms of stocks. It's not a wealth building tool for young people. Mm, you caught me. So um, the annuities are horrible for young people. Um, so you can have an index return where it's a cap rate. So if the market goes up 20%, you might get five. Market goes down 20%, you just get zero that year. Um, or you can have an insured portfolio. We have a, a mix of stocks and bonds. And an insurance company will say, if this portfolio ever goes to zero, we'll kick in and continue the 4 to 5% for life, whatever age you are. Um, variable annuities, unless you already have one, are because of these new insured portfolio options, or it's an annuity without being an annuity contract, um, you don't really need variable annuities anymore. So you, you should get out of those. If you have one, email it to me, and I'll tell you what the fees are and how much you can save by, by getting out of it. Briefly, how are beneficiaries taxed on annuities? Well, that's the thing is that, you know, if it's an IRA, if you used IRA money to buy the annuity, they can roll it into an inherited IRA. But this is why you don't use taxable money for annuities, because if you die with an annuity in a taxable account or a non-qualified account, your heirs pay the taxes at their bracket, gotcha. where you could have pulled some of the money out and you might be, you know, 80 years old and only at 15% bracket. So your heirs pay the unrealized taxes. A lot to discuss. If you want to discuss it further with CFP Chad Burton, Find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Let's say you're in an annuity that's paying 2.5%, that you're paying 2.5% to be in. Maybe it's time to get out. Time to discuss your options with CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Elsewhere, Chad and I will be doing an event coming up real soon um, on the 11th of this month of September. 
So it's a eight. It's a brand new event. We've never done this one. Bay Area Wealth Strategies in San Jose at the San Jose Airport Hotel. Odd name for a hotel. It's not the Hilton. It's not the the debut. It's the San Jose Airport Hotel. It's on Fourth Street, um, six thirty to nine. Bay Area is a great place to live, but it's got challenges, and that's what the event's all about. Um, we're going to be talking um, real estate. Should you buy? Should you rent? I have a friend who is a piano teacher, and she asked me yesterday, you know, I, I save a lot of money here, but I don't have enough for a house. What should I do? Should I move to Tennessee? I'm like, well, move to Tennessee. You're going to make less, and you're going to save less. So, you know, start factoring these things into your budget. Start factoring these things into your savings plans. You know, when will the teeter-totter, you know, hit and be time to jump ship? Uh, you don't want to be 60 and not have a house, or you don't want to be 60 and not have a nest egg. I think nest egg's more important than a house. You could always live in my basement, but if you don't have food, you no money, you don't have food. So, it's just worth being honest about. Real estate versus stocks, risk versus return, capital gains, taxes, state taxes, much, much more. It'll be a good event coming up uh, next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday, 6.39 at the San Jose Airport. Um, I would love to see you out chit-chatting about that with me. Um, Other big stories of note, Daimler, big car company, is buying Uber rival Ride Scout which is interesting. So Daimler, you know, German-based company, Mercedes-Benz cars, is acquiring RideScout in Germany's intelligent apps, which operates the popular MyTaxi booking app. The deal is going to give Daimler, a car maker, a presence in mobile-coordinated transportation. The deal shows me that traditional car companies are reacting to changes in consumer habits. Most of my friends under 35, some of them have cars, some of them don't have cars. You see a lot of the Google buses, Facebook buses. You see a lot of uh, Lyfts and Uber cars driving around the town. It saves on insurance. It saves on car payments. So with the price of ride-sharing lowering to near the cost of a, taking a taxi, a lot of young consumers have relied on the services rather than investing in buying a car and paying for insurance and gas. Um, so Daimler's figuring out, hey, this is what younger people are doing. We need to stay relevant. Very, very interesting story. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. <clears throat> So I'm not sure if you're hearing the promos. A lot of people don't listen to commercials. But starting next week, for 10 days, Monday through Friday, in the 8 o'clock hour, I'm going to go over 
everything that you need to know to become financially savvy. I'll call it something like Financial 101, Money 101. Um, it'll be everything that you need to know. One hour, one it's a day. In that one hour, I'm going to talk about two topics each day. In the end, I'll talk about 20 topics. I'll cover everything from investing to 401ks to insurance to wills to young couples to everything that I can hit. We exclude guests from those days. Uh, maybe I'll have someone like CFP Chad Burden on you know, to talk about that day's topic. But I'm going to give it to you like you need it. Um, how to buy a house, how to sell a house. Everything that I got. So in case I die, it's out there for you. I'm not planning on dying, just so you know. But in case I do, um, you'll have a good primer. Probably once a quarter, I'm going to start doing theme shows. For instance, one of my favorite theme shows of all time was Ladies' Night. It's Ladies' Night. Um, my producer could be doing me a favor and pull that for me. Um, because women are different investors than men. Women live longer than men. Men tend to marry, and this is a generic statement, and this could be wrong. Men tend to marry slightly younger women. Women get pregnant, take time off work, change their social security status. Women take time off from work to raise their child and lose potential years of climbing the corporate ladder. So, are men and women different investors? Yeah, we really are. I've seen more successful women investors than I have men investors, which is a crazy concept in that, why? It's, I think, our society. And here's a cliche that's going to get me into a little bit of trouble. Uh-oh, going to go into general manager's office. But women were, in our society, more raised to shop than men were. Like, you don't tell a guy, hey, hey, Brandon, let's go shopping today. Let's, let's go shopping and get lunch. It's like, how about we go watch a football game and drink beer? Like, it's 130% true. It's just, I, why can't I go shopping with a guy? I don't know. I don't know. But I tend to think that women, because they shop, they learn like, oh, this store has better prices than this store. And that's what investing is all about. It's all about comparison, comparing you know, this store versus this company versus this company. This company's product is better than this company's product. Uh, you can talk to a, you know, and this is me showing that I've got a feminine side, and that's a good thing, right? Right? It's a little, once more you open the door, it's a good thing to have a feminine side. Um, I, 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 I know that the product that you buy at H&M is, is crap. It's garbage. It's horrible. But it's cheap. It's also very stylish. Um, you're going to wear it three or four times and it's going to fall apart. I know you're saying, how did you know that, Rob? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that one. With that said, um, I'm going to do more theme shows. So I'm going to start doing like tech shows, the history of technology in the Bay Area. It's fascinating. I will do more, you know, and again, you go back to companies like Digital Equipment. You know, once a very, very dominant player, Bay Networks. Long before there was a Cisco, there was a company called Bay Networks. Um, where are they now? What happened? 
So I'm going to try to do a couple more theme shows. If you have any ideas for themes, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Uh, but also continue to do my, my stories of the day and my breaking stories. Like, for instance, Department of Agriculture has granted Zoetis, ticker symbol ZTS, a license for a pig vaccine in an effort, effort to fight what's called porcine epidemic diarrhea virus. Now, I know you're saying, are you doing a story about hogs and diarrhea? <laughs> oh, yes, I am. So this virus has killed millions of pigs, and it's driven pork prices higher. So a company to get approval for a vaccine to stop porcine epidemic diarrhea virus, which if I could say it one more time, I win a prize. Um, the cost of pork is going to go down because you save more, more hogs. It's supply and demand. Falling commodity prices won't surprise anyone in this case. Janet Yellen, chair of the Federal Reserve, has said that inflation was set to peak relatively soon. She nailed it. She got it right. So ZTS Zoetis. A new vaccine out there, obviously leading to productivity gains. Um, you know, more pork for us. I wouldn't say productivity gains, but healthcare is for the animals. Are, it's going further and better. So, and again, it is a vaccine that is an effort to fight the porcine epidemic diarrhea virus. Which, if you want to die, that's probably not a good way to die. I died in my own diarrhea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. But again, these kind of medical advances don't just happen for humans. They happen for our, our livestock as well. And, you know, the biotech sector is a very exciting place to be because of that. You can find out more about me at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find more about what else is there out there. Um... Oh, big event coming up next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but the following Thursday in San Jose. Uh, going to be going over, you know, the content of Bay Area Wealth Strategies. We are in a very expensive area where you have to make a lot of money to afford a home. Do you buy a home? Do you invest in a 401k? Do you take money out of a 401k? Capital gains taxes hits us where, you know, our salaries are higher just to afford the living here. You can sign up for the event in San Jose next Thursday, 639 at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. 
Welcome in, Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The goal is focusing on wealth and creating wealth. How do you do it? What's the best way to pull this off? Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well. Ready to talk about some employee benefits. Yes, this is tied towards kind of content that people might hear at the event coming up on the 11th in San Jose at the San Jose Airport Hotel. We're going to be doing an event, you and I, talking about um, strategies and wealth, and especially tied towards the Bay Area. The Bay Area is pretty unique, a lot like New York City, um, high-paying jobs, but super high cost of living that goes with it. Lots to think about. So let's talk a little bit about um, employee compensations. Uh, what are some compensation incentives that we get um, that other areas maybe don't enjoy as much of or have to deal with? Yeah, especially in the tech and biotech sector, you have um, different types of compensation packages that might include RSUs, which are a type of ownership of the company stock where you get a certain amount granted to you, and as they vest, they become taxable, but you own them. You have ESPP plans or employee stock purchase programs, and those can be qualified or non-qualified. Most of them are tax qualified, and that's where you get the ability to actually purchase the company's stock at usually a 10 to 15% discount. And then there's non-qualified stock options and incentive stock options. So it used to be that non-qualified stock options were the most popular because of accounting issues and things like that. They're not as popular. But I'm kind of seeing this resurgence again of incentive stock options for some of these startups um, that are very confusing tax-wise. And you know, a lot of people just kind of accumulate these shares and they don't do anything about it until, oh, my gosh, they get an alert that their options are about to expire. And if they do that and they don't do anything, they might become worthless or they become way overweight in the company's stock. And um, then, you know, the company goes through a massive correction and they lose a lot of wealth. So you got to really manage these as you, as you receive these. So what else? Restricted stock options are kind of intimidating for people mm-hmm. um, because, again, people look at it as, like, um, tied towards Wall Street, um, tied towards, you know, up market, down market. Should people look at it as compensation or should people look at it as – Investments. Now, RSUs, especially RSUs, are, are looked at as compensation because there's really no special tax planning strategies with these things. Restricted stock units or restricted shares, as they vest, they become taxable. And okay. there's no whole magical holding periods or anything like that. As they vest, they become taxable income. And usually what happens is they vest, um, a certain number of shares will be sold in order to meet the tax holding requirements. So people need to make sure that they're withholding enough taxes. And, you know, as, as these things, if, if, if it's a good company, you really like the outlook of the company. Um, if you, and you're younger, I don't mind, you know, uh, having up to 10% of your portfolio in the company's stock. But once you get over that, there's no reason to hold RSUs. You, if you become overweighted in the company's stock and as those things vest, you immediately sell them and, and buy something else, something that's more diversified and start building your tax efficient portfolio from there. So that's, you know, one of the most common types. And then there's all sorts of issues with ESPP plans as well. So let's talk about ESPP plans. What are they? What do we need to know? Well, that's the one where you get the ability to defer some of your money out of your paycheck, not pre-tax, but defer enough so that 
you're able to purchase the company's stock at a discount to a 15% discount, which is great. I mean, it's a great way to, to get it. You know, you're, you're going shopping. Um, but the tax issues can be a little bit confusing because a lot of people think that, oh, you know, in, in one year I can sell them and pay only capital gains at the 15% federal rate. And that's not really the case. So there's qualifying dispositions and disqualifying dispositions and fancy terms for selling and buying or selling at the right time or the wrong time. So if there's a gain in the stock and you want to get the best tax benefits, the the way to do that to get the most tax benefits where your gain, most of your gain is done at the federal capital gains tax bracket of 15%, you can't sell it until two years from the start of the offering and one year from purchase. And so it gets kind of confusing on when that happens. If if you sell it before that period of time, two years from the start of the offering or one year from purchase, then your gains are going to be taxed as ordinary income. If you meet the requirements on the sale dates, then the part of the gain that you bought it is you can qualify for capital gains. Now, the discount that you receive, that 15% discount, that's always going to be taxed as ordinary income. So that's important to realize. And the thing that really catches people, Rob, is when they're doing their own taxes, these ESPP sales are reported on the Schedule D of your tax return, but that discount issue is reported on Form 8949. So people have they, – they've ended up paying taxes twice on that discount because they're doing their tax return wrong. So when you end up having a significant amount of ESPPs and you're starting to sell them, usually having somebody do your tax return makes a lot of sense and making sure that you're looking out for that Form 8949. So that's where people can get caught off guard there. I can actually, um, I've got a four-page PDF um, that I can send out to listeners if you want to email me, chat at chadburton.com. That's some basics on ESPP tax issues that you need to know about. So we're running out of time, so keep that in mind. Uh, What about concept and what about the ideas of non-qualified options and incentive stock options? What do we need to know? Well, non-qualified stock options, as soon as you exercise or hold or exercise and sell, it's taxes ordinary income. So there's no fancy tax planning there either. Um, if you're way overweight in the company's stock, those are one of the first places besides RSUs to go to start the first buying out of the company's stock because of the leverage. Okay? Um, that's a you know, whole... I'll cover that in a lot more detail on September 11th at the event. But um, the incentive stock options, those are much more tricky because you can qualify if you sell and then hold for a specific period. Um, you can qualify for capital gains on future gains from the date of the exercise without any current ordinary income taxes. However, in California, it's subject to AMT tax. So there's a lot of tax planning with incentive stock options, a ton of it. There's AMT taxes and AMT tax credits, Rob, and it's very, very tricky this year to look at the strategy of reducing taxes, exercise and hold the first three months of the year so that the stock price crashes. You can sell it and avoid the AMT tax before the end of that calendar year. So it's confusing, but a lot of tax planning on those areas. Anything else that we should hit? We've got about a minute. No, I'd say, you know, people ask which ones to sell first. And I would say if you're overweight in the company stock, RSUs, and then if you're worried about a falling stock price, the, the non-qualified options would be next, but it, it, that's really it's individual to each person and what their age is and how overweight they are in the company stock. 
Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He and I are going to be doing a massive new seminar called Bay Area Wealth Strategies. It's Thursday, September 11th from 6.30 to 9. It's at San Jose Airport Hotel, talking real estate, talking stock options, talking capital gains, talking high state and federal taxes. How do you create wealth when it's so costly to live here? We'll take a break now, but you can sign up for the event now at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Been wondering if your heart's still open, and if so, I want to know what time it should. Simmer down and poker up. I'm sorry to interrupt, it's just I'm constantly on the cook. I've tried and to kiss you. Welcome in, Rob Black, and, well, just Rob Black, talking about your money, talking about creating wealth, managing wealth, preserving wealth, all those concepts. Um, recent story went around about a guy who was in an elevator, got caught kicking a dog, kind of yanking it by its neck and almost strangulating it, got kicked out of CEO after the video was circulated. Love that. That's when, like, the power of the Internet's the best. Um, when, you know, 183,000 people were outraged, and there was a petition that went around at change.org, and 183,000 people signed it. Petitions on Facebook and Twitter. It's pretty powerful. Power of social media, both good and bad. Um, I am very, very cautious I'm very noteworthy that there's cameras everywhere now. Um, I don't lose my cool anymore, so it's not worth it. Uh, you lose your cool, get put up on Facebook, kick a dog, lose your job. Uh, so that's out there. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. This is a day where the market's playing with record highs on the S&P 500. Dow at record, you know, near records. Do we close there or not? Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Day by day, it just doesn't matter. It's, you know, the trend. I think we have another two to three good years left in the market. Uh, maybe not as good as last year, for sure. But until the U.S. hits a recession, the market's going to be okay. Yes, it will get some pullbacks, no doubt. Um, they will be dramatic, no doubt. But I think we're doing okay. Until we start seeing jobs, you know, people getting fired versus people getting hired, we're slowly seeing them getting hired. Let's talk a little real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. A lot of people want to buy a house, and they start with, I want to buy a house. How do I calculate how much I could afford? What's the number? Um, okay, so the standard guidelines, and that's what you're going to follow. These are the best rate from Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and you have to follow those guidelines. They're going to say you can spend a certain percentage of your income 
If you're W-2, that's your gross income. If you're self-employed, that's going to be your net income that goes over on your 1040. So it's a basic uh, formula, and you have to factor in uh, the, the actual debt on the house called PITI, Principal Interest Tax and Insurance. Slow it down. Slow it down. PITI. PITI. PD. PD. And What's any other expenses for? that go into the property plus your other debt. So. Oh, yeah. And, and if your credit score is high enough, and this is where credit score becomes a big factor in how much you can borrow. So if you have a 640 score, you're going to borrow less than somebody who has a 740 score based on your income. So your percentages are allowed to go higher. So let's say that that max is 45%. That's called your back-end ratio. That back-end ratio is 45% of your gross income if you're W-2. That's a pretty high number. Right. So if you make $10,000, you can spend $4,500 a month on all of your debt. So if you if you have $500 in credit card and car payment debt, then that leaves you with 4000 for PITI. Gotcha. So you work backwards, you subtract, let's say it's a $500,000 house, that's about 500 in taxes, about $100 a month in insurance. Back that out, that leaves you with $3,400. So it seems like if you're going to yeah. be buying a house in a year, you should start paying down your credit. In large part because it's going to be part of the factor. It, it is going to be because that if you have a lower credit score, that ratio... Is, could go from 45% down to 35%. So you're losing the ability to buy, and, it, and it's retarding your ability to go at a higher price. And it might put you in a worse neighborhood, better, you know, worse school districts. So credit score really translates big into the uh, real estate industry. Gotcha. One of the things I try to tell people, there's no rule of thumbs. I mean, you could kind of start with a, an area. Like when I was growing up, it was no more than 28% of your income should go right. into servicing your mortgage. That's pretty nice. It's conservative. Yeah, it, it's it's a good standard to follow. But ultimately, what a lot of people still don't understand how to calculate their income, especially if you're self-employed. Some people use their gross. Some people use their net. But they forget that there's things you could back into it. Ultimately, you do have to get pre-approved. That's really the first step. And let a professional do it. I think people try to do it too, too much on their own. They get a realtor. They start shopping, and then they find a, a loan agent, and they find out that they're not approved for a certain amount because it could have been their credit score. They're looking at a different program that has mortgage insurance that also gets factored in the PITI, MI. So there's a lot of other factors that play into it. And, and it becomes more difficult nowadays. There's no stated income programs. There's no um, starter teaser rates that can help you qualify. It's all straight math now, and it's straightforward. It's something people really need to get comfortable with is how much can you afford. Because I can tell you, a lot of people don't think about property taxes. That comes in, bam. That's that hurts. It hurts. Um, a roof goes bad. Yep. Um, people go into foreclosure. Again, I had a friend whose father took money out of his house, bought a house, took money out of that house, bought another house, took money out of that. And he'd never prepared for a worst-case scenario. And when a worst-case scenario hit where he lost a, a renter, all four houses collapsed. Yep. All four houses went into foreclosure. Um, it became viral. And it doesn't have to be that way if you don't overbuy. Um, there's a rule of thumb, again, doesn't always work for people. Depends on how much money you put down and other factors, but two and a half times your annual salary. So mm -hmm. if you make $100,000, you could probably afford $250,000. Um, so a million-dollar house, which is norm on the peninsula, you need a lot of money to yep. afford that, a $400,000 income probably. Um, if you're going to be doing a, you know, Typical mortgage types. And again, that's what's what's focused about this. And but you did mention something that's uh, very important is people also underestimate their expenses on the property. Yep. Utilities, maintenance. It's estimated that you're spending $200 a month on average in maintenance. And what's, is, what's also interesting is this isn't part of the, that your qualifying uh, debt. 
and it really does become a debt. It becomes a monthly debt that does not get included. So definitely uh, account for that and prepare for having higher expenses owning a property. Good stuff. Good things to know. Good things to ponder. I like arguments. I like conversation. Um, too many people buy houses without thinking of what can they actually afford. And sometimes you just should go into that starter house, you know? Sometimes that should be your first house for your next five to ten years. Build a little bit of equity and then, you know, get the house that you really, really want. Um, I'm not in my dream house. I still underbuy. Uh, one day I'll be in my dream house. Probably when it's probably called a coffin. <laughs> Dirt nap time. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. The old dirt nap time. It's coming up for all of us at some point in time, right? Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. The only thing I can't do is emails about stocks. Can't answer those specifically, so I can do them on air. So mention that you want it done on air and what time, and I'll try to do the best I can. But I'd like for you to call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Got a big event coming up a couple Thursdays from now in San Jose at San Jose Airport Hotel. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Nothing too crazy or exciting going on. Uh, kind of tail end of the year. And markets are hitting record highs. It's all good, so to speak. Um, how about in the world of economics? Any big data releases today that you're focusing in on? Uh, no, it's been a pretty slow couple weeks. I mean, we're seeing... Data that's showing growth, but nothing spectacular. I think the the big information we want to know is, is how the labor market's doing. Because, you know, Janet Yellen has been very um, clear that uh, she is unsure of how labor market uh, conditions actually are. <laughs> you know, she's she's made it abundantly known that uh, the unemployment rate is not the indicator to use, but she doesn't know what indicator to use. So we're just spending time evaluating all the different type of concepts that we could look at to uh, understand the labor market. And we'll find a little bit more on that on Friday when the employment report comes out. Today, the auto manufacturing numbers, do they give you any insight into the health of the economy, the health of the consumer, or are they just too spotty? 
Hell, those numbers have been strange. Yeah, one of the, the pieces of information that we use for understanding uh, the employment sector is the initial claims report, and, it, and it's taken a little bit heightened importance lately because, you know, we're all on top of, uh, you know, when is the FOMC going to raise rates? And right now the initial claims report is showing a, uh, an employment condition that's near full employment, which would mean that we'd expect to see rates increase relatively soon. However, I think those numbers are biased because we've had really strong auto production. And normally during this time of year, we curtail auto production as uh, you know, manufacturers retool their, their plants for new model years. And because sales growth has been so strong, you know, the manufacturers haven't stopped production like they normally did. And I think that might be influencing the claims numbers a bit and, and biasing it downward. So, you know, the production is good for the economy, but it's making it unclear on where we are for, uh, for labor market ideas. With that out there, um, I saw a report yesterday out of Morgan Stanley that was kind of interesting. They talked about how the low interest rates recently have basically caused corporate America to finance and consumers to refinance their homes and to you know take out a mortgage at low rates. Is that the type of information that you, you collect? Like, we're in a pretty good shape. It's been tough to get a mortgage. Mortgage failures probably won't be as tough in the next 10, 15 years because mortgage rates were so low. Do you look into the future? This was a Morgan Stanley report that was talking about the year 2020. Um, how far out do you extrapolate and do you use data like this has been a good time to refinance and that should help the economy in the future? Yeah, if, if you expect uh, income growth and you expect moderate inflation growth, and as long as those two uh, um, components move ahead, the low interest rates today should make it so that people have more disposable income or income outside of staple purchases that they need to survive, such as housing should allow for stronger growth. And, and I would argue that you'll probably see another refi movement over the next couple months as the Fed debates on, uh, on when rates to increase and people try to get in before uh, we start seeing rates start to rise. So, you know, one last umph, I guess you could say, before uh, the Fed tries to normalize monetary policy. And if that's true, then we should see stronger growth. But, you know, like that... Uh, the report you're talking about, it's not going to help today. You still have to have income growth today over the next few years to outweigh the changes in your um, in your home loan so that you would have higher disposable income. So it's not a, a big thing today, like they said, but it, it definitely could potentially help in the future. You recently pinned a piece for briefing.com. I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, chief economist. You called it We Give Up. Um, what was that article all about, and why are we giving up? Well, it's kind of what I was saying before, is that the you know, with, with the way AFOMC is set up right now, we know that, you know, barring some type of geopolitical catastrophe, the FOMC is going to end QE in October. So okay. once that ends, what are we going to go from there? We're looking at raising rates. So when is that going to happen? And you know, the FOMC has not been able to give a clear guideline on how the labor market is actually doing because they don't know. You know if you listened or, or read uh, Chair Yellen's speech, 
that she gave at Jackson Hole a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was clear that there were a lot of indicators that were giving conflicting information and nothing specific. And, you know, if you're looking at, at uh, you know, leading indicators of the labor market, you know, really the only one you should be looking at is initial claims. And the initial claims level is at a point, what I mentioned before, that would normally suggest we're at or very close to full employment. And I would have a tough time arguing uh, that that is actually true. I mean, the amount of slack in the labor market, in my opinion, is still pretty large. So, you know, why is the initial claims so low? Why is it not uh, giving a better read? Uh, and I've suggested biases, you know, from the auto sector, for example, but we haven't seen the shift. So, you know, there could be more hidden biases or those numbers could be correct. And in that case, we could expect to see, uh, you know, the FOMC moving ahead to raise rates much sooner than I anticipate. And and that's what I mean when I give up. I, I don't know how to read the, the claims data. I, I don't see the tea leaves giving me any indication of what's going on. And if someone comes out and says, here's the initial claims level, I understand it, it's telling me this, you know, I'd, I'd call them out and say that's, that's probably BS because, you know, the way that number is, has been trending lately doesn't make sense given what labor market conditions seem to be telling us. Anything else that you're working on that you want to bring insight into the segment? I think that um, another piece I wrote last week or, or maybe a little bit before that was on um, reading inflation graphs and inflation data. And uh, a colleague of mine who uh, tends to like uh, libertarian principles and tends to move towards uh, we should go back to the gold standard likes to point out um, you know, that, that price growth over the last you know, 60, 70 years has been much higher than it did before the U.S. was off the gold standard. And these are graphs that you often see on social media, you often see, you know, on some publications. And just to take heed that, you know, what inflation is supposed to be, inflation is not uh, the price level. The, the inflation growth is the change in price level. And what we were seeing during... Uh, the gold standard was you have massive shocks up and down every year. I mean, so businesses that would want to take into account uh, changing in prices or potential changes in prices would have to expect that you know good prices could could change positive and minus 20% any in any given year, and that would be normal. Whereas since the uh, the Fed has basically whipped inflation in, in the early 80s, we've only experienced you know uh, you know a plus minus 3% change. So you know, if I'm a business, I'd much prefer to have uh, a stable monetary environments, even if prices are going up, than uh, a hodgepodge of up and down and not knowing what, what what's going on. And uh, people need to take a look at that. And you know, instead of looking at you know just one aspect of everything, try to think about how you would actually prepare if if that is the data. Does the does the data make sense? And and, and the type of information that you generally get on social media is that it doesn't. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Always insightful, always useful information. I really like the one-two punch that we do with Briefing of bringing a market analyst one day and an economist another. There is a, this is not the nicest thing to say, um, but uh, there's a famous American who once said, I'd like to meet a one-handed economist because a lot of times they'll say, on this hand, but on the other hand, um, 
it's tough sometimes to get that definitive. Uh, economics is not a science. It's 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 dismal. It's it's tough to like definitively say something's going to happen and this means that. You could try to you know bunch it together as much as you can. With that said, um, you know I think. Dr. Jeff Rosen does a really good job of keeping things in perspective for us. You can get your calls on the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, again, I think the number one thing here is, is just don't be shy. Um, I've got an email account that you can use, um, Rob at robblackshow.com if you have questions. Um, I will gladly go into those with you um, on the air, preferably. Um, emails are kind of tricky as far as um, you don't get a lot of perspective on a person. You can't ask follow-up questions in real time. So I always like the live calls a little bit more. But the website or the email is rob at, uh, rob at robblackshow.com. And... Uh, I welcome interaction. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Got a big event coming up next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday, 9-11. Someone actually asked me, you're doing it on 9-11? I'm like, yeah, that kind of happened uh, 10 plus years ago. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel too terribly bad about that. You can find out more about the event in San Jose. It's tied towards Bay Area wealth and the people who live here. You. Sign up at robblack.com. But I had enough with you down, with your hands facing up. What did I do so wrong? You lied and led me on. Was I your hit and run? Left for dead. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, money, investing, and more. Um, Some of the top stories of the day are pretty dramatic. CBS Stop selling tobacco, and now they're going to be more of a healthcare company. They still sell alcohol. They're catching a little flack on that. Low interest rates are boosting mortgage applications. Applications for U.S. home mortgages rose last week as interest rates declined. Stocks opened higher today, played with record territories. Where you close, no one really knows. Uh, there's a little bit of apathy going on for sure as far as in the world of investing. Um, on the eve of Tim Cook's greatest triumph, uh, Apple's having problems with the celebrity nude hacking. Um, Apple's always been known as, we don't get as many viruses, we don't get as easily hacked, we don't have blue screens of death, like Microsoft and other companies. Um, so they're trying to change that image. They're going to you know, have to come out pretty strong 
uh, ultimately in order to combat that. But Apple stock getting a little bit hit on that news. Um, next Tuesday, is that right? Yeah, Tuesday the 9th is going to be new product day at, over at Apple. And uh, one analyst today is saying, you know, take some profits in Apple. Um, even though there's all this, you know, headlines out there tied towards, you know, new product launches. So let's take some profit. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, be sensible. If you have big gains, it always makes sense to book some profits so that you don't get too overweighted in any one given name. So you want to be very, very intelligent about things like that. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. A couple other, you know, big stories out there today. Low interest rates are boosting mortgage applications. Uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, whether they did or didn't, uh, Putin says not. Um, it caused the 10-year Treasury to struggle. You know, the 10-year Treasury is at 2.44%. Um, as it climbs to 3%, it becomes a tougher economy, um, but anything under 3.5%, I buy stocks. So I've been buying stocks for the better part of five years because, you know, I'm, I've been enjoying this rally. Uh, to me, it's the bond market that gives me my cue on whether I buy bonds or stocks, and it's that kind of simple. Um, back in 2010, the 10-year Treasury was around 3.8%. And back in 2005, it was as high as 4.6, 5.1% late 2005. So the writing's kind of been on the wall that you want to be buying stocks, not bonds. And you've enjoyed the five-year bond market, or you've enjoyed the five-year bull market if you've heeded that advice. Um, you've done very, very, very well. So, but again, I can't expect you to, you know, always... Um, uh, rock and roll per se and trust that hey the headlines out there are bad but you should still be buying stocks one guy that I'm wanting to make you aware of is Warren Buffett um, I think he's the greatest investor of all time and you know I've compiled some Warren Buffett quotes if anyone wants a copy drop me an email rob at robblackshow.com it's rob at robblackshow.com and things like you know in 1989 letter to a shareholder he said buying it's far better to buy a wonderful company at a fair price than a fair company at a wonderful price. Um, he once said, you don't have to be a, G a rocket scientist. Investing is not a game where the guy with 160 IQ beats the guy with 130 IQ. I'm just happy to have an IQ above 100. <laughs> right? That's what we're all saying. Um, another one of his great quotes was, you know, don't buy a stock just because everyone hates it. And his quote was, none of this means, however, that a business or stock is an intelligent purchase simply because it's unpopular. A contrarian approach is just as foolish as the follow the crowd strategy. What's required is thinking better uh, rather than, you know, checking polling. Unfortunately, you know, people's, uh, most men would rather die than think. Many do. Um, and I think one of his favorite ones for me is, bad things aren't obvious when times are good. Um, you only find out who swim naked when tide goes out. And I think that's a great quote. And it's worthy of note. Here was a shocker, some information that I came across. John Stewart makes $30 million a year for The Daily Show. Dave Letterman brings in at number two at $20 million a year. 
for some reason, I didn't think John Stewart made that kind of money. Uh, that's shocking to me. Daimler is acquiring a company called uh, Ride Scout, which is rival to Uber and Lyft. And it's reflecting that a car company is saying, look, we're not selling a lot of cars to 20-somethings because they're ride-sharing. So we need to get in on that action if we're going to be a, an automotive company. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up soon, soon. You can find, up, find out about that event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Uh, money investing and more Bay Area wealth strategies. Um, you know, hopefully you can come out to this next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday, 6 to 9. Parking is free. The Bay Area is a great place to live, but it comes with challenges. So you can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.